It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunkin' with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network this episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Happy weekend, happy Saturday, and happy victory weekend, Timberwolves fans. I guess it's not quite a victory weekend yet because the Wolves have to turn around and play again in 24 hours after winning this one. But we'll call it a victory Saturday. How about that? The Timberwolves beat the Lakers by 24 on Friday night. This is the post-game podcast. We're going to break it all down. We're going to talk key takeaways from the game. We're going to talk Carl Town's big third quarter, what Patrick Beverly and, and Jared Vanderbilt brought to this game. D'Angelo Russell's hot shooting in this one. In this one. Uh, we'll do individual studs and does as we always do, as well as a couple of key takeaways related to the defense and the game overall. Um, I, this was a really fun one, really from start to finish. The Wolves never trailed by more than seven. They led by as many as 33. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. So we're talking all things Wolves-Lakers on this one. Uh, first, though, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Remember, Lockdown Wolves is free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube as well as all the audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two Bs, two Es, C-K, E-N. All right. Um, so this one, I want to actually focus a little bit here on the third quarter specifically, which was obviously the best quarter of the game. It was the most fun quarter for your Timberwolves fan. Um, but that's where really kind of the game was decided. The Wolves were down five at halftime. The first half was kind of back and forth. The Wolves trailed by as many as seven. It kind of looked like it was teetering on the edge of disaster, but the Timberwolves reserve unit actually played really well in the first half. And uh, it, I mean, there really wasn't all that much notable. Um, there were only about three minutes of Nas Reed and Carl Anthony Towns playing together in the first half in the middle of the second quarter. And it, it didn't go that great. It was more because the Lakers were playing well than anything the Wolves were doing wrong. Uh, we did see Torian Prince re-enter the rotation after he didn't play at all uh, last time out on Wednesday. Um, but this was, uh, it was just kind of a, an up and down start to the game. And the Wolves were down by five at halftime. The third quarter though, the Wolves came out of the locker room and basically dominated from the start of the third quarter. They scored the first bucket. They went on a quick, like, I think it was, uh, uh, 
I, I forget exactly what I think it was a, a an Edwards three maybe or a, and then and then it was the Vanderbilt Pokeaway, which was the big play, the one that they went back to on the Valley Sports North broadcast when after a defensive rebound uh, by I think it was Anthony Davis, Vanderbilt came up behind him, poked the ball out. Vando's foot, actually, I think maybe both of his feet were actually out of bounds on the baseline and it should have been called out of bounds on the Timberwolves. Official didn't see it. Vando pokes the ball away. The Timberwolves get a bucket out of it. And uh, from that point forward, it was all Wolves. Um, The the third quarter itself, Carl Anthony Towns is getting the headlines and rightfully so. He should. And spoiler, he's going to be my number one stud for this game. He was the best player on the floor and it wasn't close. However, he didn't score until after the the midway point of the third quarter. It was like the 550, 556 mark of the third quarter before Carl Anthony Towns actually scored. And then he ended up scoring 15 points just in the third frame alone. Um, but the, the first six minutes of that third quarter was mostly Patrick Beverly. Uh, there was a little bit of D'Lo. There was a little bit of uh, Jared Vanderbilt hustle, obviously the the big play uh, when he poked the ball away. Edwards made a jumper after that. And the next time down the court, Russell scored on a layup. And then D'Lo went off. He hit a three-pointer. Patrick Beverly had a big th- uh, three-point play uh, mixed in there. A couple of other floaters by Patrick Beverly. And then Ant had a couple of shots. But Kat didn't hit a, hit a shot until the Wolves were already up by 11. And then Carl Anthony Towns hit a step-back jumper from beyond the arc on a nice pass from Jared Vanderbilt. And at that point, that stretched the lead to 14. After that, um, there was the weird coaches challenge where Towns was fouled by Davis. But then after the challenge, which was unsuccessful, they kept the foul on Davis, but also gave a technical to Towns for, uh, for I guess, his arm flailed and hit Anthony Davis in the, uh, in the groin region uh, on his drive to the hoop, which I don't understand the unsuccessful challenge, but still there's a technical. It's, it's weird. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Um but Beasley actually hit a three-pointer that was mixed in there. And then and then Towns just finished the third quarter just on fire. He made it off, he had an offensive rebound, put the ball back. He had the 0.5 seconds on the shot clock, uh, split the defenders, catch and shoot with half a second left on the shot clock from straight away uh, for a three-pointer. Um, he had a couple of other tough shots, a corner three down the stretch in the third, ended up with 15 points in the third quarter alone. And that was basically it. He played the first three or four minutes of the fourth quarter, then was down for the rest of the game. The Wolves uh, went on a 27-2 to run as in the third quarter, and they outscored the Lakers 40-12 to in the third. And according to, this is according to Jim Peterson on the Valley Sports North broadcast, so I'm assuming Jim's information is correct. Uh, the 40-12 to third quarter uh, differential or, or third quarter score was the greatest deficit, the second greatest deficit the Lakers have ever faced in the shot clock era as a franchise in the shot clock era. So going back some, you know, whatever, 35, 40 years, the second greatest point differential or deficit the Lakers have faced in a single quarter at any point, 40 to 12. Um, So yeah, it was one quarter, but it was a really, really good quarter for the Timberwolves, for Carl Anthony Towns, for Patrick Beverly. We'll talk more about Pat Bev here in a minute. Uh, but credit to Towns. I mean, the first part of the game, he did a lot of his damage in inside the arc. And after the game on Wednesday, I talked a lot on the show about, and actually on Friday's show, I spent a, almost a whole segment talking about Carl Anthony Towns' offensive game, the struggles he's had shooting twos this year, his points per possession in the post, his point per possession as a, as a screener in the pick and roll. It's all down this year. In this game, he made a concerted effort to score inside, and he scored with a little bit of finesse, a little bit of brute force, but not as much of the flailing or the or the 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 weirdly like turned up sense of urgency that sometimes he has when smalls get on him or teams double him or whatever. He kept he kept his composure early in the game. And he didn't attempt a three until he was five, six, seven field goal attempts into the game. And then all of a sudden it was a flurry of three pointers. And I'm not gonna sit here, I'm not 
I'm not an old school, you know, like, oh, you got to go from the inside out. You got to establish, it's almost like in the NFL, establishing the run game, right? But in the NBA, it's, it's, you always hear the guys from the nineties, right? You got to establish your post game. You got to work from the inside out. It opens up the, the, you know, shooting from outside the arc. The modern game would tell you it's the reverse. Towns can do both. It doesn't really matter. But after a game where he attempted, I think he made, or I think he attempted just one two pointer in, in Wednesday's loss, uh, uh, to uh, whoever they lost to on Wednesday at this point, who knows uh, what was Wednesday. Um, man, it, it's already really running together. Memphis was Monday. So what was Wednesday? Uh, the Warriors game. Goodness. Uh, the Warriors game on Wednesday, he attempted one two point shot. In this game, it was all two pointers until the third quarter. And then it was just a bevy of, two, of three pointers made by Carl Anthony Towns. Um, and he ended up making four of eight from outside the arc and inside the arc. Towns shot uh, seven of nine from inside the arc. So flip on its head what he did the other night. We all know Carlton Towns can make two-point shots. That was obviously something of an anomaly. But, you know, there's a little bit to it regarding how games are being officiated this year and also uh, the way that teams have been defending Carlton Towns. And, uh, um, I mean, this was quintessential cat. Scoring inside and then scoring outside, shoot, making 50% of his threes. Didn't get to the free throw in a ton, but that wasn't, Entire, I mean, like that was just kind of the way that this game worked, right? The flow of this game. There weren't actually that many foul calls. The Wolves actually only had 12 free throw attempts as a team in this one. Um, but this was exactly what we needed to see from Cat. That was the whole third quarter, essentially. At that point, it was a uh, it was a double-digit lead going to the fourth. The lead ballooned to as many as 33, and then the Lakers made back some ground in, uh, in garbage time. But um, that's the focus of this game for me was Cat's performance and uh, also Patrick Beverly. Anthony Edwards, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, but that third quarter was amazing. What I want to do next is I want to look at the key takeaways overall, not specific to Cat, uh, key takeaways for the team. And then we'll close the show today by talking about uh, individual studs and duds, as we always do after every single Timberwolves game. First though, let's talk about the title sponsors from today's show. And that of course is McDonald's. This episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Road trips are uh, where when my family goes to McDonald's the most. If I'm working late during the week, I'll stop and get a McDouble and fries. But sausage egg McMuffins are the favorite myself, my kids. Um, of course, uh, that plus cheeseburger Happy Meals, obviously. Um, so head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say Lockdown Wolves watch party? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it. Let's also talk about betonline.ag. We're back and we're better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive that bonus. From basketball to football, NHL to boxing and UFC, right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 and 2022 seasons. Again, that's promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and talk key takeaways from this one. Number one, rebounding. Um, 
I talked about a little bit on the preview show and, and I didn't spend a ton of time specifically on the matchup, but at the end of the show on Friday, I talked about how the Lakers weren't a great rebounding team. I think they were 26th in defensive rebound rate heading into this game. The Wolves, of course, have been dead last basically since day one. They've been one of the league's worst defensive rebounding teams for years now. Um, but this was one of the games where, you know, no LeBron, uh, we knew Rajon Rondo was, was questionable coming into this game. There was a chance, depending on how the Lakers played this thing that the Wolves could actually do fairly well in the glass. That's exactly what happened. DeAndre Jordan didn't see a minute. It's the only game all season he hasn't played, and he's actually started most of the Lakers games this year. He did not play a minute in this game, and that was a massive boon to the Timberwolves' chances on the glass. The Wolves were a plus 10 when it was all said and done, but they were. it was more like plus 20 until it was garbage time. Um, the Wolves ended up with 54 rebounds overall to the Lakers' 44. And uh, the Wolves also didn't have anybody that had more than seven rebounds in this game, interestingly, which means it was an overall absolute team effort. Towns, Beverly, and Akogi all had seven rebounds. By the way, Josh Kogi had seven rebounds in just 14 minutes of play. So Josh was ultra aggressive on the glass. The Wolves also had 14 offensive rebounds, offensive rebounds only. Uh, the Lakers had 11 offensive rebounds. Um, and the Wolves did a, the Lakers are a decent offensive rebounding team, as are the Timberwolves. And the Wolves did a pretty good job of keeping the Lakers chances to one and done. Um, so number one rebounding and a big part of that was Jared Vanderbilt starting in this game. He only had six rebounds. He also only played 18 minutes, but he was ultra active. We'll talk more about him here in a minute. Uh, I guess a little bit of a spoiler for studs and duds, but, um, you know, if the Wolves could be plus 10 on the glass with Carl Anthony Towns only grabbing seven rebounds, take that every night of the week. Um, and that was a massive part of this game was, was the Wolves' ability to secure rebounds. Um, and they obviously, by the way, were making a concerted effort to crash the glass on both sides of the floor. Very rarely were their Timberwolves perimeter players leaking out to try and get out and transition on defense, uh, you know, defense to offense. It was mostly crashing the glass, which is exactly what the Wolves needed to do in a game like this. Um, also defensively, the activity was back. Um, the Timberwolves had slid all the way from, you know, top five defense. That was a top 10 defense. And it's just kind of been backsliding a little bit. I think heading into this game, the Wolves were like 17 or 18 in defensive rating on, on basketball reference. Um, and this was a really good defensive game. Yes. The Lakers could hit the broad side of the barn. I get that. They shot 35% from the field, nine of 41 outside the arc, 22%. They did miss some open shots. However, the Timberwolves were contesting shots. They did a really good job in terms of their activity on defense. Um, they were scrambling. They actually they they did an outstanding job of xing out in this game. Um, in that, when the ball swings to the corner, the player that's closest, even if it's not his man, is running out to contest the corner three. And then when the ball swung to the wing, the low man is. Uh, who initially had been guarding the man in the corner is Xing back the other way to pick up the man on the wing and the wolves. There were multiple occasions where they did that and contested the Lakers into a miss. Um, it was really impressive. And, and, and then off of that defensive rebounding, and I, I like to talk about this a lot on the show, defensive rebounding ends the possession, right? There's, there's what three ways you can end a possession, a turnover, a made shot or a rebound, a defensive rebound. Um, so, if you're not getting a turnover, which the Wolves have done a pretty good job at turning other teams over and the Lakers turn the ball over a lot, um, and you're not giving up a made shot, which is obviously the goal, then you got to secure the rebound. And that's one of the reasons why defensive rebounding is defense. It's ending the possession. I think that gets overlooked too often. 
And so the Wolves did a great job contesting shots and making life difficult for the Lakers from the perimeter, especially, but then also ending the possession by securing rebounds, limiting second chance opportunities. And that was a full team effort. All this was Xing out on the perimeter, scrambling, uh, you know, when, when, when they were just trying to catch up to the ball uh, on the defensive end of the floor, scrambling to contest shots on the perimeter, collapsing in the paint to try and grab rebounds. And I mean, nobody on the Lakers really did much damage on the glass at all individually. And the Wolves, again, rebounded essentially five guys the entire game. So outstanding job on the defensive end of the floor. As for the offense, the flow was much better. Uh, there was some lulls, kind of second quarter-ish, I think. It, the offense was a little bit rough, or I guess it was really more first quarter. But first half in general, the offense was a little bit rough. But eventually there was a bit of a flow. And it wasn't rigid you know, play calls. It wasn't the Ryan Saunders, like, you know, basically a play sheet, like the wristbands in football, not actually, but kind of, um, but, you know, we know that Chris Finch wants to play a read and react offense. He wants to give his players the ability to be more free flowing and make decisions and, and do what makes sense based on the flow of the game and, and everything. And there's kind of been this it, Wolves Twitter is obviously uh, understandably conflicted at this point because coming into this game, the Wolves are three and seven, six losses in a row. Can this team even play that way? Like, you know, can Anthony Edwards is a 20 year old and D'Lo is a guy who uh, apparently needs some sort of structure in order to stay on script and Cat, and who is just getting a little bit overzealous because he wants to win so badly and, and all this stuff. Can they really play a read and react, stick to their guns, stick to the plan and do the right thing, but still play this free flowing offense? Well, this was a great example of it. The Wolves weren't calling very many like, rigid sets like, Hey, we're doing this. There was actual movement. There was successful pick and roll action, both starters and reserves, uh, and, you know, reading and reacting out of the pick and roll, a good feel Adilo, uh, he, he had a couple really rough patches in this game and some really bad turnovers, but there were some nice pocket passes. There were some nice, uh, the, the way that he was kind of deciphering what the Lakers were doing and, and actually making the right reads more often than not in this game was really refreshing to see. Um, we just saw generally smart decision-making and constant movement. There wasn't much ball stopping. There was hardly any isolation um, in, in this game, and and it worked outstanding. And, and a lot of that is because the Wolves were actually making shots, which, by the way, is a reason why we shouldn't panic too much about the offense in the first 10 games of the season, because they were mostly getting the shots they wanted. They've mostly been getting open perimeter jumpers. They've mostly been getting, um, you know, shots that you'd want to, to get, right? They were just missing them. In this game, they made them. Uh, they ended up only shooting 32% from three-point range, 32.4%. But a lot of that was Malik Beasley and Anthony Edwards, who both had poor games. Otherwise, I mean, D'Lo was five of nine, Cat was four of eight. I mean, what's that? Nine of 17, so above 50% for the Wolves' best two offensive players, or most, I should say, the best two offensive players in this game. Um, and when this game was in the balance in the third quarter, that's when they made a bunch of those threes. So if the Wolves, who have, a, I mean, how many guys in the Wolves should be 40% three-point shooters? Cat, D'Lo, Malik Beasley, at least three of them. Anthony Edwards is probably a mid-30s guy. The Wolves are going to shoot threes at a better clip as the season goes on. Because again, they're getting some open looks. They have been getting open looks. They just need to start falling. And they need to stop devolving into the isolation stuff that they so often do. And by they, I mean mostly Anthony Edwards, but also D'Lo and Cat at times. And they did a great job in this game of not devolving into that and just kind of maintaining that flow of like pick and roll, you know, side pick and roll into other actions and going from fast break into a secondary break into like something resembling an actual half court offense without the rigid play calls. And this was a great example of that. 
And the Lakers, by the way, are not a bad defensive team. I get that they don't have LeBron, but even without them, without LeBron, they've been a pretty good defensive team this year. They had Rayshon Rondo. They had Avery Bradley. They had, obviously, uh, Anthony Davis. And, uh, I mean, outside of Avery Bradley and the job he did at Anthony Edwards, we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Um, I mean, it, it's hard to, to, like, the Wolves putting up 107 on this Lakers defense and shooting 46% from the field overall. Not bad. Um you know, the turnovers, there was some sloppy play at times, but generally speaking, the offense was much improved and the Clippers are a team that, you know, they'll face again in 24 hours, Saturday night, same building in LA. That's a team that the Wolves should be able to score on. And they did a little bit last week. We, we saw the Wolves build a 20 point lead last time they played the Clippers and then give it all back and then some, um, but that's another winnable game. If the Wolves just do what they did on Friday at Staples. Um, okay. I want to finish the show by talking individual studs and duds. We're going to do that next. First though, Let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. I love Thanksgiving, all of the good food and treats and plenty of them, but maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and just four grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for you when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, you can go for a Built Bar or two now. Share some at your family gatherings. It will make things less awkward. And maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet, but she should. New surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly. So check the site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Hey, guys. It's Walker Mail, host of the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, let's talk individual studs and duds. This one's actually pretty easy. Uh, number one, Carl Anthony Towns. Third quarter, he was phenomenal. He had, I think, nine points at halftime. Uh, again, made some two-pointers early in the game, was active in the paint, offensive rebounding in the first quarter, um, and then was, you know, hadn't really attempted threes, had a quiet second quarter. The minutes with Nas Reed weren't great. They actually sat him at the end of the second quarter for a couple of minutes. He was out from like the 330 mark until the last offensive possession. Finch gave Towns a rest. Um, 
But he came back in the third and again, didn't score in the first six minutes of the third, but then he went off 15 points in under six minutes in the third quarter, finished the game with 29 points on 11 of 17 shooting four of eight on three point attempts. And again, that means he was seven of nine inside the arc, three of three on free throws. He had seven rebounds, two assists, two steals and a block, zero turnovers for Carl Anthony Towns in this game. That means no offensive fouls. No silly passes out of a double or triple team that are just wild and crazy. No, you know, traveling, trying to get around a double team. Um, it was a clean game from Cat. Uh, you know, seven rebounds, fine. He only played 30 minutes. 29 points on 17 shots every day of the week. Um, you know, the Timberwolves will take that. This was a very impressive, under control performance from Carl Anthony Towns. Very refreshing to see. So, uh, I mean, there's nothing else to say. It was just outstanding. Um, and uh, he was able to to do to do damage both inside and outside the, outside the arc, which is the optimal game, uh, kind of the way that a game would shake out for Carl Anthony Towns. Number two on my list of of uh, of stars for the Timberwolves, of studs for the Timberwolves in this one, um, Jared Vanderbilt. He only had 4.6 rebounds, only shot two of four, only played 18 minutes. But man, uh, strong play early in the first quarter. And he, the Wolves were good when he was on the floor. They didn't fall behind until he headed to the bench. Outstanding play early in the third quarter, tipping the ball away from Anthony Davis and, and getting the Wolves their first bucket of the third uh, because of his steal. And then there were a couple of other plays where he tipped the ball away as well. He ended up with three steals in this game too. So four points, six rebounds, three steals, two assists and a block, zero turnovers for Vando, which is also significant because he sometimes... He doesn't touch the ball often, but he doesn't have great hands. And so when he touches the ball on offense, it doesn't always turn out well. He had, it was two of four from the field. He made one really tough play that was basically an alley-oop. He was off balance, kind of crashed to the floor, but made an awesome, uh, a really impressive layup. He was, for what it's worth, again, noisy single game plus minus, I get it, a plus 31 in this game in just 18 minutes. Um, the energy, the activity, the rebounding, the defense, uh, he had his, his uh, for the most part, he ended up guarding Anthony Davis at times, um, and Anthony Davis was fine. He shot seven of 13, uh, 22 points for AD. But I mean, when Vanda was on him, he did a good job. And uh, again, four, six, three steals, two assists and a block for Jared Vanderbilt in this one. My third stud for this game is Patrick Beverly, 11 points, seven rebounds, four assists, five of six shooting in this game. And he didn't make a three-pointer. His only miss was outside the arc. He was five of five inside the arc. A variety of floaters and layups. Got to the cup a couple of times. Pretty much unimpeded. Um, again, 11.7 rebounds, four assists, and a steal. Only one turnover. Was really good in the third quarter. Kind of got overshadowed because then Cat went bonkers. But uh, Pat Bev was awesome in the third quarter. Very good defensively. Had a very measured performance in this one. Uh, didn't get too high or too low, which is which is uh, doesn't always, isn't always the case for Patrick Beverly. Um one note, I did not have D'Angelo Russell on my studs list. He was great in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter, uh, actually early fourth, especially when the league got stretched to 30 plus, but that's partially why he did hit the studs list. Until that happened, he was tracking to be on my list of duds for the game. He had four turnovers in this one in 34 minutes, and there were a couple of really bad ones, a couple of really ill-advised shots, um, missed layups. Uh, so, I, you know, this was a tale of, again, for D'Lo, a tale of two delos, right? When he's bad, he's really bad. He doesn't add anything defensively. And when he's good, he's completely unstoppable. And for like basically the first two and a half quarters, it was bad delo. And then all of a sudden he showed up to the party 
uh, remembered he was playing a former team and wanted to have a revenge game at Staples and ended up with 22 points on, on eight of 19 shooting in 34 minutes, five of nine on threes, seven assists, five rebounds, and a steal. He did have four turnovers, uh, but he was also a team best, a game best, obviously, plus 36 in just 34 minutes. Um, so, you know, overall, it's a good D-Lo game. But when the Wolves needed him until it was already a uh, until it was already basically a, a twenty what twenty point game at that point, D'Lo didn't do a whole lot offensively. But if we could bottle again, and, and we say this every couple of games with D'Angelo Russell, if we could bottle that last quarter and a half that D'Lo played and just kind of copy and paste that, then yeah, I mean he's an all star. That's the all star D'Lo is the one that played the end of the third and the fourth quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter. But the D'Lo that's in the first half is barely playable. It just was really, really bad. And that's the frustrating thing with D'Angelo Russell. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I think fans of the Lakers, Nets, and Warriors, and Timberwolves would would all attest to that, um, that if we could just keep the good D'Lo around, we'd be in a lot better shape. Um, but it was a lot of fun when he was playing really well. So I, I you know, I, I want to make sure I recognize that. All right, duds for this game. Anthony Edwards gets a dud. This is the first time in a really long time we've said that. He actually wasn't that bad. It was just, uh, he turned it over five times in 32 minutes and uh, was most guys in the Wolves played well. So, I mean, here we go. He lost his double digit streak, which I forget how far back that goes, but uh, sometime middle of last year, he had nine points and four of 11 shooting. He was only one of five on threes, hit a, missed a couple of wide open three-point attempts, nine points, three rebounds, one assist, one steal, five turnovers. He's going to play 32 minutes. He's got to grab more than three rebounds and have more than one assist, especially if he's going to turn it over five times. He just didn't have the ball in his hands that much in this game. Avery Bradley got up in his grill a lot early, especially in the first half. Um, and even though Avery Bradley is not the defender, he was you know, six, seven years ago in Boston. Uh, I mean, he's still a good defender. He's physical and he wanted to get after it with, with Ant. You could tell that the Lakers were loading up to stop Anthony Edwards. And ultimately the Wolves just didn't run their offense through Ant in this game. It was a lot of Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, who of course combined to score what 51 points in this game on a really efficient, like, uh, what was it? 11 of, uh, 36 shooting, uh, excuse me, uh, 19 of 36 shooting. Ant was only four of 11 with the five turnovers, but only had the one assist. And again, only attempting the 11 shots in 32 minutes is also surprising for Anthony Edwards. And that goes to show you how not involved he really was in the offense. And that's okay. That's going to happen from time to time. But when he did get his opportunities, you could tell he was pressing and he didn't really do much positively. That said, we can all expect Anthony Edwards to have a much bigger game against the Clippers on Saturday night after, after having a quiet one on Friday. The other dud for me is Malik Beasley. I spent Friday's show, most of Friday's show, calling for him to be a starter. I'm not recanting that because I do think, again, I think this is beneficial for both parties. I think if Beasley plays more with the starters, he'll improve, as will the starting unit. Um, As it stands, Malik Beasley played 25 minutes, the most of anybody off the bench, and actually, overall, the the fourth most on the team behind Russell, Towns, and Edwards. Um, Two of 10 shooting for Malik Beasley, one of seven outside the arc, five points in 25 minutes, three rebounds and assist, and three turnovers, which is tough to do because Malik doesn't initiate a lot of offense. He doesn't dribble very much, right? He's a catch and shoot guy. He's a transition guy. He had three turnovers in this game and shot two of 10. So that's an easy, easy addition to the dud list for me. Um, and again, another example of plus minus being noisy. He was a plus 11 in this game in 25 minutes. But the Wolves won by 25, and he was on the floor for a lot of them building that that lead up to 30-plus points. But it wasn't really thanks to him. He was missing open shots. There was some, you know, he had some good activity. He continues to try defensively. He continues to be willing to squeeze the trigger. 
uh, from outside the arc, which is great. Um, and it's interesting. We're already seeing him dribble drive and try and get into the mid range of the 10, 15 footers a lot more than the last two years. And I don't know if he's just trying to get himself kick started and he feels more confident shooting those. It's really strange, but, um, whatever's going to get him going because the wolves will ultimately, if they're going to make the play in this year, they need Malik Beasley to do something. And outside of maybe two games this season, he hasn't been very good. Um, so Malik and Anthony Edwards both get duds for this game where uh, Kat Vando and Patrick Beverly are the studs. All right, that's all we have for you in the show. Uh, Wolves, of course, play the Clippers again Saturday night. We don't need to preview that. They played them twice already just last week. This will be game three of the season for Wolves and Clippers. And uh, the first two games were relatively close. The, the Clippers led the first one for much of it, but the Wolves were in it until late. The second game, the Wolves were up 20 and ended up losing by more than 20. Um, so we'll see what happens at Staples on Saturday night. Uh, we will have another uh, a post-game podcast uh, either late Saturday or early Sunday at some point recapping the uh, the Wolves-Clippers game. So be sure, if you're not already following or subscribed to the show, that you do that. Thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day, even on the weekends when the Timberwolves play. And remember, Lockdown Wolves is free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. And if you don't want to see my face, you can listen to just my voice on Apple, Google, Spotify, or the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at LockdownTWolves and at BBeacon with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Wolves podcast. Of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.